Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Halloween edition of the podcast. I realize by the time this comes out, Halloween will have passed, but we're only a couple days out, and it's the weekend after, so I'll say it's still included. Today, I'm going to highlight a couple of my favorite Disney Halloween movies and talk about the park as well around this time of the season. Firstly, I'm going to give you some fun facts about that Disney cult classic, Hocus Pocus. Released in July of 1993, it wasn't an immediate box office success, probably because it was released in summer as opposed to Halloween time, but Disney didn't want the movie to compete against its other Halloween-themed movie coming out that same year, Nightmare Before Christmas, which I'll talk about in a little bit. With a budget of $28 million, it only made about $8.1 million on its opening weekend and grossed $39.5 million in total, still considering it a flop. It was met with atrocious reviews by critics, and the cast couldn't understand why it wasn't doing so well. It currently has a 33% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with an average rating of 4.4 stars out of 10. It was up against such blockbusters as Jurassic Park, Free Willy, which was released the same day, and The Firm. Plus, it was a Halloween movie released in July, so I'm pretty sure that had something to do with it. But the film itself has some interesting production trivia. Directed by Kenny Ortega, it stars Bette Midler as the elder Sanderson sister... Winifred, Kathy Najimy of Sister Act as the middle sister Mary, and Sarah Jessica Parker as the youngest, Sarah. It was based on a story by David Kirshner who came up with the idea while walking home with his daughter and coming across a black cat on the street. David proceeded to then create this whole story about how the cat was once a boy cursed by three witches, and thus the seeds were planted. He took this story to Mick Garris who wrote the script, and in 1984, Disney bought the rights to make the movie. Unfortunately, it would sit in limbo until Bette Midler got her hands on the script, read it, loved it, wanted to be in it. Then, production began shortly afterwards in 1992. The working title of the film was originally Disney's Halloween House, and it was a much darker story than we know now. All the characters were 12 years old, and they were left alone to fight the witches, but ultimately this changed to include two teenagers. Garrison Kirshner actually pitched the story to Steven Spielberg so he could direct it, but Spielberg saw Disney as a direct competitor to his company Amblin Entertainment and refused to work with his quote-unquote rival. The role of Max, the teen brother, was originally offered to Leonardo DiCaprio, but declined the offer in favor of what's eating Gilbert Grape, which was ultimately a better career move for him anyway. The cast have all said that it was one of the most fun experiences they had ever had filming a movie. Kenny did an amazing job of keeping the tone light and fun during the long filming days. Bet has been known to say that filming Hocus Pocus, quote, was the most fun I'd had in my career up to that point, end quote. The talks of a sequel coming to Disney Plus have been very loud as of late, and luckily all three of the original Sanderson sisters have said that they're on board, so that's at least something to look forward to. Hocus Pocus has since gone on to achieve monumental cult success due to repeat showings on television such as ABC's 13 Days of Halloween. It's now become a staple in the Halloween-themed marathons. Bette Midler has reprised her role as Winifred Sanderson multiple times during her concert tours and during special screenings of the film in Hollywood, performing the famous number, I Put a Spell on You. In 2015, Magic Kingdom in Disney World premiered a new Halloween show called Hocus Pocus Villain Spelltacular as part of Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. It has the Sanderson sisters use magic to summon villains in an attempt to throw a villainous Halloween party. The whole show is available on YouTube, and I highly recommend watching it. It's very fun and well worth the watch. This actually brings me to my next topic for this episode, Disneyland itself. I have been very fortunate to have visited Disneyland twice in the last couple years, all during the Halloween holiday season. And let me tell you, they definitely go all out. When you first arrive at the gates of Disneyland, you're met with these great big pumpkin-styled busts of your favorite characters. Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy Pluto, 
all sitting atop the front gates. Then when you round the bend and arrive at Main Street, there you see it. The great big Mickey style jack-o'-lantern. Better get in line quick though, because a great big queue forms in front of it for pictures very, very fast. The park is decked out in orange or black, and these miniature Mickey jack-o'-lanterns are everywhere, sitting atop the light posts. Halloween-themed treats fill the candy stores and stands, and even the core characters come out dressed as costumes. You might be lucky enough to find Donald dressed as a vampire. The villains, of course, take a front seat, coming out in their own parade and own shows. It's nice to let them have their time in the spotlight sometimes. California Adventure, of course, does its own things for Halloween. While not as extensive as Disneyland across the way, if you enter Cars Land, you're definitely in the theme. Big orange traffic cones have faces painted on them, and of course, some of the Cars characters are dressed up as well. Then there's, of course, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. This is a separately ticketed event that gives the kids the chance to hang out in all the Halloween fun while the park is closed for part of the day. Disneyland closes the general public, Disneyland closes to the general public at 6 p.m. for this event, and kids get a chance to trick-or-treat, ride some rides, and get special pictures with characters dressed up in various costumes. This is also a good chance to get on some rides that usually have long lineups, because of course all the children are getting their candy, so just bear that in mind. It's such a fun time at Disney to see the parks done in a theme that isn't year-round. It's nice to get a chance to see some things that are only exclusive to this time of year. For example, you get to meet Jack and Sally on their annual visit to Disneyland from Halloween Town. In Orleans Square, just next to the Blue Bayou restaurant entrance, there's a little alcove where you get to meet the two scary lovebirds for a chat and a photo. This isn't the only thing that gets taken over by the citizens of Halloween Town and Disneyland, though. The Haunted Mansion gets an exclusive holiday makeover during this time of year. When you ride the ride, not only are you met with the normal haunts of the mansion, but you come across a lot of your favorite nightmare characters as well, joining in the fun. I'm sure the 999 haunts that live in the mansion are more than happy to share their space for a couple months during this spooky time of year. This actually brings me to my final topic of the episode, and that is highlighting one of my favorite Disney movies ever, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Even though it's titled Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, it isn't actually directed by Tim Burton. It's actually directed by Henry Selleck. Tim just produced the film. While Tim was an animator at Disney, he came up with the story of Jack stealing Christmas and had always wanted to make it into either a short film or even a television special. Finally, in 1990, he made a deal with Walt Disney Studios, and in the following year, production began on his project. The film is entirely done in stop motion and contains quite the cast and crew behind it. Aside from Henry Selleck directing and Tim producing, he worked with his longtime collaborator Danny Elfman to make the music for the film, Danny ultimately providing the singing voice for the main character of Jack Skellington. Catherine O'Hara and Paul Rubens are two other big names he attached to the project, and he was even able to snag Sir Patrick Stewart to do the narrations for the soundtrack. The film was released on October 29, 1993, and was met with immediate critical and audience success. It was released on Touchstone Pictures and not through the main Disney Studios moniker because the executives thought it would be a bit too scary for children. With a budget of only $18 million, it grossed $76.2 million at the box office. Today, it continues to be a huge success, being another Halloween stable during the 30 Nights of Halloween marathons. It's been re-released on Blu-ray and DVD multiple times, even in 3D, and has even had live performances done at the Hollywood Bowl with the original cast returning to reprise their respective roles. Now, here's the question that I pose to you, my audience. Do you consider Nightmare Before Christmas to be a Halloween film or a Christmas film? I personally consider it to be a November film because of the exploration of both holidays. 
that's probably why the nightmare skin stays on the haunted mansion after the halloween season into the holiday season thank you all for listening to this special halloween themed episode of the podcast i hope you all had a safe and fun halloween with all the treats and hopefully a few tricks please rate and review the podcast on apple Podcasts, and stay in contact with me on twitter at cast underscore diz and i'll chat with you all next time happy halloween Thank <laughs> you.